Welcome everyone to another episode of the In Real Deep Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Semino, and with me as always is my co-host, Andrew Johnson. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Steve. With all due respect, I think this will be our finest hour. I'm glad you didn't do the Houston line. That, I, I figured you wouldn't, but in the heat of the moment, I was not sure if you would just go to a tried-and-true standby or if you'd you know, dig slightly deeper to something a little more valuable. It was either going to be that or I could eat the ass out of a, rhino- out of a dead rhinoceros. Uh, <laughs> that, was, so. that would raise a lot of eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> Even if they knew it was coming. <laughs> oh, that's a going. Good job, William Bryles Jr. and Al Reinert for writing that line. That's a good line. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, back to In Real Deep. We are here. We are talking Tom Hanks. We are continuing our jaunty jaunts through the Tom Hanks filmography. And we have reached a classic, a modern classic, a, don't want to say masterpiece, but certainly a very, very well done piece of filmmaking that I would say holds up even in 2020. I'm talking, of course, about Apollo 13, the 1995 American space docudrama. This is a big Hanks movie. This is a big Ron Howard movie. This movie was a big deal. And Andrew, as I noted, I think it's still pretty good. Like, I I didn't love it. I wasn't over the moon for it. Uh, duh, pun intended. But I found it to be very, very <laughs> solid across the board. I would be very, I, it would be weird to have a strong negative opinion about this movie, I think. Yeah, I think it holds up. I mean, you know, we're not going to talk or watch Forrest Gump, or at least we don't plans to watch Forrest I Gump. I really for, would prefer not to. We can all help for this series. Um, but I think like this is a movie from that era where I just feel like it actually, you know, I hadn't seen it in a long time, and I just think you're right. It just holds up really well. You can see, you know, you can see why this was such a successful like blockbuster summer film, which it was. It's like it is like the kind of movie you want to, as a you know, red blooded American, you want to watch on. Uh, on uh on july 4th or something like that you know so it's uh it's it's a it's a it's a great movie and like yeah it just it just holds up really well um you know it's not like uh it's not like a you know it's not gonna make my afi top 100 list or anything like that but it's <laughs> like it's a very enjoyable piece of cinema it's it's exactly what you kind of want in like a popcorn film i guess you know or like a serious popcorn film your afi is the andrew film institute correct that's right yes (laughs) which you're launching soon (laughs) but yeah that's i fully agree and we can go a little bit more into detail of course in the upcoming moments but before we do that let's do our beverage of choice segments it is 11 a.m my time in los angeles so i resisted the temptation to have a drink because I've been having way too much wine during this uh, quarantine period. So I have a nice little iced coffee. I'm enjoying a little wake-up treat before I dip into the hard stuff. And I am drinking a Seven Locks Brewing Yellow Adder IPL India Pale Lager, which they uh, is part of the Disoriented series that they are brewing um, during the pandemic. Uh, they're, they're staying open. and uh, They could probably almost sponsor this podcast at this point because it's the only beer I'm drinking currently because – they drop it on my porch whenever <laughs> we're still waiting for a call if, if they want to reach out to us we would love to accept freebies or you know whatever yeah. arrangement can be worked out yeah like one free beer i'd take it you know every couple <laughs> yeah, weeks right. anyway. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't care if you enjoy all the spoils i don't even need any of the spoils you can have them yeah 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 <laughs> give us something to say fill up the time it's a it's a very good uh summer beer you know it's got that like hoppy flavor but it's a lager so it's nice and crisp and clean not too heavy 
That's a good combo. Those IPAs can be a little thick sometimes, so it's I feel like a, a lighter one is always appreciated. Yeah. Very nice. Well, Andrew, let's talk Apollo 13. Let's talk Tom Hanks in particular. It's obviously our reason for watching this. I was struck by, in seeing this movie, as you noted, I haven't seen it in a very long time as well. Probably been decades. And I, you know, I, I'm thoroughly uh, not amazed, that's too strong of a word, but I'm impressed, I guess, a little bit that Tom Hanks does so many ensemble movies at this point in his career. Like, I guess this is right before he becomes the true sensation that we keep talking about and building up to and watching all these early Hanks movies. But, though he's clearly the lead of Apollo 13, without a doubt, he certainly has the most screen time. There's really, you know, Bacon and Bill Paxton and Gary Sinise are probably not far behind. Like, it is pretty, the, the, all, all four of them, with Ed Harris, you know, coming up there, and Kathleen Quinlan gets a pretty decent role especially for a female character in a space movie. But, like, there is... Yep. there is uh, it, Hanks really does share the wealth a lot at this point in his career, and I just did not realize that. Yeah, and one thing I noticed, too, that's really interesting as we go through this is H- Hanks seems to do a lot of... Maybe he's just in a lot of movies, but, it, like, it's bizarre in this series that uh, it seems to be like there's chains of collaboration with his ensembles. So, like, uh, you know, I, I was struck by the fact that we had, like, two Bill Pullman movies, right? And then... I, I know. Again, we didn't do Forrest Gump, but here you have Gary Sinise, yeah. <laughs> like in, in two really noteworthy um, uh, uh, Tom Hanks movies, like sort of back to back. And you know, Gary Sinise is, I think, better in this one than uh, as Lieutenant Dan. Um, yeah, that's, but, that's uh, a great point. I was, you know, I know yeah. Lieutenant Dan is his big role, and he got, I believe, he got an Oscar nomination for that. But he's so much better in this, and it's so understated. Like, it's really, yeah. it's what, it's the Gary Sinise we all, I think, remember when we think about him, you know? Like, I don't think about him as this outlandish character doing all these crazy things. I think about a very quiet, demure, intelligent man. And I think that is, you know, this is the template for Gary Sinise roles going forward, or should be. Yeah, yeah, there's complexity, and, like, you know, it's devastating that his character can't go into, you know, I can't imagine, like, getting exposed to something so silly like measles and you know maybe you have it maybe you don't and you can't go into space the thing you've been working for years to do um (laughs) like uh it is awkward timing though this movie gary sneese is like i don't give a shit what these doctors say i don't got measles and then he's right and he doesn't have measles so that's a little that's a curious thing for this just in 2020 at this point in time but yeah otherwise you're yes it would be i can't imagine the the and he plays it really well he he doesn't throw a fit he doesn't have you know he, he plays it like i imagine an astronaut would where he's just like he's yeah. super fucking pissed but just sort of you know like, can't do anything about it and accepts it well the difference is that the doctors from the federal government they're actually listened to like what they say <laughs> yeah, trump's gary sinise so yeah. that's the difference between then and now i will say like as a total aside this movie made me very proud to be American, but then also at this exact moment, like very, very depressed as well. Like the, the line I used, um, at the very, at the very beginning, you know, like this could be our finest hour, you know, is really true. It makes you proud of like the space program and everything like that. And then you think of, um, you know, what's going on right now. And that it was a little, like, there was a little melancholy, I guess I would say, uh, given, you know, Given given what's going on in the world today, you know what? But I, I kind of feel like this anytime it's a space program movie because I'm like, oh, we don't really get a space anyway. But it, it feels much darker, the it's, depression at the moment. And but, it is it is it does harken back to an era where there was a unified sort of goal for everybody. You know, like as you know, 
I don't want to call space frivolous, but it certainly was, you know, it just, it was a thing that we all decided we were going to try really hard to be good at, and then we all paid a lot of attention to, and it was an incredible scientific accomplishment. It's amazing for so many reasons, but it does serve the purpose of uniting the country behind these people and this mission and these goals, and so that doesn't, you know, when I was watching this, I was thinking a lot about Armageddon, which uh, our very frequent guest, Dr. Chris, and I reviewed very recently on this very podcast. It's in our archives, inrealdeep.com. But Armageddon is just this too, you know, a thousandth degree <laughs> of just yeah. pa- American yeah. patriotism bullshit. But this is, you know, for all of its pro-American, it's 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 not. I didn't. I wasn't watching it and struck by how jingoistic it was necessarily because it's, right. it's, it's it's trying to be historical too. It's just it's that that's what everyone was like back then. Like everyone really did want to see this space thing happen, and certainly they wanted these three men not to die. So like it was. I feel like it is genuinely unifying in a lot of ways and it does make me a little sad as well that we just have nothing like that anymore besides what like sports maybe like i can't think what else everybody can get behind as one entity like it just doesn't really exist yeah the michael jordan documentary america's limited uh, by that and that alone <laughs> yeah no I, I think you're right yeah I don't, I don't, it's not it is not a um o- overtly patriotic film exactly um uh, so it's it's better in that way. It doesn't like wrap itself in the flag exactly, and it's not like the greatest. What's interesting about it is it makes you proud to be American while sort of celebrating a near folly, a near disaster, right? You know, um, and uh, but but they get him home. You know, like that's the whole that's the whole thing. And uh, you know, I think the other thing we got to talk about this is like a thrilling movie in a lot of ways. It's like it's. Uh, it's tense. Uh, again, even though you know what what's going to happen, I'm always impressed by movies that um, that are able to to infuse tension in when you know what the outcome is. Anyway, um, it means they're doing something right. Yeah, and I, I don't know what it is about these sequences, but every time in a space movie when there's that initial, like, they've made it out of orbit, and now they're locking up with something else, or swapping out, or dropping, whatever they call that process, whether it's like, in Armageddon, they go to the space station, but like, in every movie, there's there's a, there's a next step before you go to your main mission. And that is yeah. just, and that almost always goes well enough, like, that rarely is like, nothing like, usually there's something little goes wrong in that sequence, and then it builds to something bigger. But there's just so much tension there, that just seems so scary to me, like, you're in space, and and you got to hook up to another piece of metal and then sync it up and then do your business. Like, I don't know why, but that's just such a small scale thing that these movies do really well. And in Paul 13, nothing really happens in that regard, but it's still just like, yeah. it makes me like, I just could not imagine being an astronaut doing any of this shit they do. Like it's just, it is wild yeah. and impossible for me to even comprehend. And I think this movie does a great job. One thing I love about this movie too, is they make it very clear that, they, you know, back in these days in the sixties, they, like, in the early 70s, I guess, these ships, like, the technology was, like, garbage compared to right now, you know, like, and especially mm-hmm. compared to sci-fi movies, like, it's not sleek, it's not yeah. clean, it's not polished, like, it's messy, like, the, the takeoff scene, they do, that, that's one of my favorite scenes in this, visually, because it just, it looks like an explosion, like, it doesn't look yeah. tidy, yeah. it looks like the ship's about to explode, which is sort of, you, you obviously know that's not going to happen, but it looks gross and wild and i feel like that that is an understated element of a lot of these movies you get a long shot usually of a spaceship taken off and here you get really close and pieces are ripping off it and it's this whole mess and like that you know especially back in the day it, it really was so much cobbled together like this this movie is all about them cobbling together solutions but even the main plan and the main ship and the everything was cobbled together and and it was very yeah. scary and very rudimentary in a lot of ways and this movie doesn't shy away from that or, or glorify it it just says yeah it was a big mess and we sort of taped it together and made it work. 
Yeah, and I'm always struck too with this, these movies, like uh, and this one, and also I think of The Martian and also Hidden Figures. The math behind it, which this this movie does a good job with the the Ed Harris nerd scenes of like <laughs> the fact he that it always nerds. blows. Yeah, he loves them, it but he always, hates them so much. It always blows my mind that they're like, oh, we can just calculate the exact like parabola that you're going around a planet and then slingshot you back to Earth using like gravity and i i just I, it always amazes me um that stuff it, it just blows my mind um so and, and this movie does a great a great job of 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 uh of, of showcasing that stuff too um yeah i can't wrap my head around like that's so like you just point in the direction and you do this thing and it's guaranteed to work every time <laughs> yeah. like i just oh, that's so wild but it makes yeah. sense there's rules and if you follow the rules then you, then, you know and gravity and speed and all that does magic but i i don't understand that and they, yeah like you said <laughs> i was watching this again with dr chris uh, our, our frequent guest and we were laughing so much at all the ed harris scenes because it's, it's i mean yeah. ed harris is amazing in this he fully deserves his oscar nomination he was wonderful but his whole character is basically him coming into a room with a bunch of either fat guys or skinny guys with glasses and then basically going okay nerds what do you got for me and he's just like the he's the head coach you know he's just motivating his troops and yelling at them and getting them into place but in like a in a somewhat fatherly way but at the same time has some has certainly has some disdain like he's got a real flat top haircut like he's not he's got no time for these nerds but he needs these nerds so badly to get the job done and it's just such a it's just every Ed Harris he makes me laugh so much because he's just the way he addresses everybody every time is just so forceful and so you like you know such a jock you know who now has to lead these bespectacled you know yeah. teenagers into battle <laughs> yeah. yeah well ed harris almost makes this like a workplace uh like you know working together teamwork movie in some ways um that line let's work the problem people you know it's all about again like you said earlier it's all about this this idea of a unifying goal and like i actually really love that scene where he's talking about work working the problem because you know, basically what they're uncovering is like, oh, if we solve this one problem, they still don't have nearly enough propulsion to get back to Earth. And or they're going to be incinerated upon reentry into the atmosphere. Right. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's like a really good uh, it almost feels like you want to show it in like a workplace setting as like a, a, you know, here's how you can work together under pressure, under crisis and stuff like that. Um, and you're right. Ed Harris is like to me, he's like. I think he's like kind of the best part of the movie in a lot of ways. He he, he sort of brings this uh, this spirit to the to the movie um, in a way that sort of only only Ed Harris can. Um, yeah, it plays out so. the astronauts so well because they're all you know ba- Kevin Bacon is you know the young pilot and he's got a little yeah. more swagger than the other ones, but they're all playing pretty stereotypical astronauty roles, you know. And I think that's what a yeah. lot of astronauts are. They're just they're very smart, they're very athletic, they're very intelligent. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're a very cookie cutter a lot of times. And mm-hmm. and then Ed Harris shows up and he's like he has a vibe about him in this movie where. I'm sure the real Gene Kranz obviously was a brilliant man and understood this very deep, but Ed Harris always seems like he doesn't quite get what everyone's talking about, and it doesn't matter, you know? Like, he can't solve these problems on his own, and he doesn't even bother thinking, like, the specificity of it all, you know? Like, oh, you got to point in this direction. Like, he doesn't need to know about the parabolas and the nuts and bolts. He's like, tell me what to do, hit it in the fucking computer, and make it happen. I'm here to make sure you know how to you do, do it, you know? I'm here to motivate you. I'm here to move you along. I'm here to keep everybody on point, and that's my main job. I'm not here to know about all the angles, you know? Like, that's a little too... That's in the weeds. That's nerd shit. I got no time for that. I'm here to yell and be stern and tell you guys what's up, and it's just such a great it's just so wonderful it just makes me laugh and smile every time i see it 
Yeah. Yeah, I think the other thing to call out, and uh, I'll give full credit um, to my wife, Amanda, for looking into this. We watched it together. Uh, you got to call out the like special effects in this film, or the practical effects, really. So I don't know if you wondered this, Steve, but how did they, in 1995, get simulate the uh, weightlessness? Um, and they actually took it i don't know if you're familiar with the planes they, they call them like the the vomit comet or whatever if you fly it's around tr- really fast you can simulate weightlessness right yeah and that's how they shot the film wow so they, and they shot it like it only gives you like like something like 10 to 20 seconds of uh of of weightlessness while you're going around there so they had to do this you can imagine how painstaking that would be oh god um, those poor things once... gary sneeze must be like i love my role i don't have to do yeah, that yeah. at all <laughs> i just lay in a yeah. big simulator and hit buttons yeah. and write things yeah. on pads yeah. So anyway, like she she looked that up, and I was like, "Holy shit!" You know, that's like I guess it's really really cool. Um, you know, now like you know what like gravity, for example, I'm pretty sure they just put uh, Sandra Bullock in front of a green screen, basically. You know, yeah. um, <laughs> they, didn't, um, they, didn't, they weren't that, flying her around in airplanes for three no, days. <laughs> no, no. So uh, so anyway, that's that's how they did. So you got you got to call that out. You called out to the um, the launch scene, which is like really memorable. Like you said, it, it holds up pretty well. It doesn't like. It doesn't look like a 1995 launch scene exactly like you, you might like you might be expecting. So um, it's probably really smart. I never thought about this until now, but it makes perfect sense now. I think about it. It's really smart to do a 60s space movie in the 90s because you don't need the technology to look that great anyway. You know, like so weirdly, it holds up into the 2020s because right. it's all just old shit in the first place. So you're you have 30 years to make that look real, and then but there's it, because it's so. You know, junky in a lot of ways. That it just, it just, it doesn't. If, if they tried to make it look sleek, it would look embarrassing right now, probably, just because right. they didn't have the technology right. in '95. But because it's so practical, practical holds up forever. You know, like that's the best thing about movies like this is they don't lean on CGI. So when the CGI gets better, now old CGI looks crap. But when you just when you have a bunch of real stuff, that real stuff looks real all the time. Yep. Yep. Totally. Very good movie. And let's talk a little bit about Hanks before we wrap up here again. Not uh, the most colorful Hanks performance. You know, not no. not particularly memorable in a lot of ways, but very steady, very good, very charming. Like we've said this a bunch already, but he just has on his his you know America's Dad vibe sort of already yeah. here. Like he's just a calming presence. You know, like he's yeah. you know again Bacon's tempestuous. Paxton's just a little more riled up than Hanks. Like he's got some of that Paxton roguish charm there too. And Hanks is just as straight as an arrow, and it works really well. Like you you believe that he is calm and coordinated and is going to to the best of his ability get this shit done and keep everybody alive and that's really all you ask from him and they said i read that john travolta was in talks for this that would have been oh. terrible i would have hated that oh. so much like yeah. even like and costner was up for it too or they want to costner do it which makes a little more sense like cost but yeah. costner's a little more wooden you know by on purpose and that's like again there's are there wooden enough as is like you need an every man hanks yeah. charm to really counterbalance it all and and bust them out of their woodenness a little bit costner would be so on the nose yeah well and costner was great in hidden figures in like kind of a ed harris role, that's right. right so like he's much better in that in that in that in that context yes yeah, so I, I you took the words out of my mouth this is like a this is a quintessential america's dad role for um <laughs> for for america's space for Hanks. yeah um Right down to the fact that I was getting mad at his teenage daughter for like dressing like a hippie during the <laughs> during this movie. She was the worst character in this movie. Um, yeah, she doesn't get a lot of room uh, to really uh, to really move. Yeah. She's she, she's the villain. That and me- mechanical failures. That those are the two villains <laughs> of this film. Um, no, he's just great, and he he definitely. Um, 
That's one of the most charming Yo. scenes too, though, when the daughter is dressed and he's like, and then the mom, Kathleen Quinlan's like, "Does she look okay?" And Hanks goes, "Yeah," and she goes, and she like looks at me, goes, "Oh wait, no." Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. he realizes he realizes he's not paying attention. And he needs to be a better father. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's. A, I, I do think it's like I'm glad you called out Kathleen Quinlan too, and we we texted about this too. Like, there's some great moments where the, the just some very small things they do. Obviously, you can't have them, Kathleen Quinlan and and. And Tom Hanks be on screen very much because most of the movie obviously takes place in outer space, um, and they just do some great things to really make that um, make that marriage seem like real and the stakes seem really high. You know, they bring that maybe that's part of what brings the tension in. And Kathleen Quinlan's great, but I, I love the scene where um, where she uh, where she you know drops the her her ring down the. Um, down the drain in the shower, which I, I just thought was a, you know, I texted you, I thought it was a total humanizing moment. Um, if you wear a w- wedding ring, like I do, you can imagine the panic you would feel uh, ordinarily if that happened. And then, you know, you know, it's exponentially worse if your spouse is like maybe going to get incinerated in space or whatever. Um, <laughs> so I just thought there's some great, like very, very basic, you know, things they do to make that that marriage feel real and it's it's really important because it, it, it really does establish the, the sort of personal emotional stakes of the film like i don't think you're as connected to um to hanks and his wanting him to survive uh it without that sort of like family you know pull there which is which kathleen quinlan really brings to the film so um it's really nice Hank's definitely starting to look more like the dad too. I would say he like, <laughs> yes. you know, he's he's not. He's certainly we're we're a long way from the the, the Turner and Hooch foxiness. Uh, hard to imagine him in tidy whities there. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's not sexy in this. I'm glad so. Kathleen Quinlan, Quinlan wants to sleep with him, but I don't think the audience is meant to want to sleep with him. So right, right, right. No, just you just want him. You just want him to put your arm, his arm around your shoulder. That's what you really want. So <laughs> everything's good. Everything's going to be okay. Yeah, you touched on something I really want to loop back to too. That this movie does well is it is there's a lot of tropes in it too. Like Ed Harris's character is a trope. Uh, Kathleen, the, the 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 wife who is very sad that her husband is going into space and it's scary is a little bit of a trope, but the way they do it is, is just there's a little bit of nuance and a little bit of tweaking yeah. that makes it unique because like she's not just she's not just scared that he's going to space she's like you're doing this again like Jesus Christ like it's, yeah. it's more weariness than than fear in a lot right. of ways too you know she's like and then the scene when she doesn't want to go to his goodbye and he's like yeah. and he's like okay like you know I, I got him going into space so like if you don't want to come I get it I'm sad but like and then she yeah. comes anyway and they have this very sweet moment where he would have been alone otherwise and like it just means so much that she was like fuck it I'm gonna go like why not you know yeah. like it's just great like it's just it's just there's there's just that's not it's not as basic as just sad wife misses husband like there's just a little more to it than that and when you're telling a simple story like this all you need is that little tweak to make it actually have value on its own and good for everyone involved for realizing that you can do that same shit over again and you can just pioneer a a nice little touch that that makes it stand out it's it's just it's just a sign of a very competent well-made film that knows yeah. it's not reinventing the wheel and doesn't try to and just wants to stand out a little bit from the crowd. And that's perfect. That's all it can be. That's It's definitely – there's no better Apollo 13 movie, you know? Like, there's just <laughs> – it just does it so well. It's it's never going to yeah, be a 10 yeah. out of 10, but it's an 8, yeah. 8.5, and that's yeah. perfect. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm mean, yeah, co- confident, well-made. It's like – I feel like it's like uh, – it should be at the top of Ron Howard's CV as a director. <laughs> yeah. you know? he's, it's, just, it's just what he does. Like, 
like he doesn't always. He, I can't think of anything where I was like, "Wow," or like, "Ooh, a Ron Howard movie." But when it's like, "Oh, Ron Howard did it," I'm like, "Okay, I know this is going to be pretty good. It's probably going to be very straightforward, um, but it's probably going to be very entertaining." I, I even think of that movie um, Drive with Chris Hemsworth. Uh, it was about the, the Formula One racers. It was yeah, another yeah, one. yeah. It was with, like, uh, with them and, uh, and Daniel Bruhl. Yeah, yeah. It was like another one that was like, it was just a racing movie, but it was like a really good racing movie. It was a really interesting story, also based in history and stuff like that. Um, so it's Ron Howard's an actor's yeah. director, too. He gets great performances. Like he's, he, he's guaranteed to get one, two, three, four great performances. Like Cinderella Man, a movie I love. Not a great movie by any stretch, but Crow's great, Giamatti's great. Like even the things that aren't wonderful, he certainly knows how to, what, what the actors and actresses should be doing. And that's, that's you know, another, another like, he understands himself, too. It's another feather in his cap. He knows what his strengths are and he leans into them. And he gets Clint Howard in there, too. So and Clint gets good. a job. Bryce Dallas is currently in this and credited for a hot second. Oh, really? His, his dad is Rance Howard, who's the family minister, if you remember that. Like, I've seen that guy Ooh. in so many movies. And, I'm, and now I'm like, that's Ron Howard's dad? Like, wow, I didn't know that. That guy yeah. plays like an old minister in so many movies. And he's apparently Ron Howard's dad. So, hooray. The whole Howard family well, I mean, is just rolling in that, that, that Howard dough. Yeah, I appreciate Ron Howard for having the most like boring vanilla names because, like, you know, I'm a person like that as well as very <laughs> random name generator uh, names. He's great. Well, that about does it for our Paula 13 episode. This, is, I think, is available on Stars. So if you haven't watched it, um, go give it a watch. You can also rent it, obviously, everywhere. Movies are rentable these days. But I think it's out there for relatively free consumption if you have a Stars subscription. So go check that out. Great, great, well-done film. And we will be back. We're taking a little bit of a break here, but with a purpose. We're going to be back with our next episode, Saving Private Ryan. And we are going to release that on D-Day. So that is going to be a special <laughs> little... And I think that's going to be a jam-packed episode, Andrew. Like, I haven't seen that movie in yeah. forever there's so much to talk about it's you know it's it's a hank's role unlike so many others he's done like we're, we're really leaving this like 90s hank's era behind and we're getting into like you know big budget uh serious yeah. tom hank's movies like it's not fun and games anymore and it's a wild movie and he's great in it and we get some hanks and some speely teaming up and that's always fun as well so and vin diesel and Vin Diesel and Paul Giamatti, the aforementioned Ted Danson. There's so many people yeah. that I'm going to – when I watch it, I'm so excited to just yell every time a fun character actor yeah. appears yeah. on screen yeah. in the helmet. So. Oh, and, and Barry Pepper, which as I pointed out to you, we've had Bill Pullman, Bill Pullman, Bill Paxton. I'm like, who's our next BP? We have Barry Pepper in the next film. So. <laughs> a little bit of a step down as go. much as I enjoy Barry Pepper in a lot of movies, but he's not a Pullman or a Paxton, yeah. but he is a BP. There's no denying that. Yeah. <laughs> So keep joining. Subscribe to the NRLD podcast. We're probably going to slip a few uh, little special treats in there in between. But in the next Tom Hanks movie, will be coming out in a few short weeks. So stay subscribed. Go to NRLDeep.com. Enjoy other content. Andrew's writing some reviews again. He's back to the written word. And we'll be turning out some more Tanks movies in the very near future. So go check all of those out. Andrew, thanks for joining us. Thanks for watching Hanks. I'm glad you love what this country used to be. I also think it used, <laughs> used to be pretty great, and now less so, but we can still look back and remember all the good times, right? Maybe this will be our finest hour. Well, I wouldn't bank on it, but who knows? <laughs> Crazy, crazier things have been in like six months, it'll be our finest hour. That's true. Six, anything, six months, yeah. 2021 is going to be real hot, so I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> Can't be any worse. <laughs> That's right. That's very much <laughs> great uplifting message to go out on. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening. We'll be seeing you further on up the road. Adios.